This episode is brought to you by AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The Lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business, and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is a driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Tony Gaskins Jr. is a husband and a father first. In his spare time, he's a best-selling author, international speaker, and celebrity life coach. After losing a football scholarship due to poor performance at the age of 22, he resorted to using his gift of writing to start writing books based on the wisdom he'd gained from life. At 25 years old, he went on The Oprah Winfrey Show, Tyra Banks Show, and The 700 Club telling different portions of his life story. He exposed his mistakes and turned them into lessons, everything from being in toxic relationships to living the street life. Tony allowed his pain to birth his purpose. Then at 26, he was called on by the NBA, the NFL, and the NCAA to speak to athletes about life, love, and responsibility as young adults. As a result of Tony's message going viral online, he's amassed 3 million supporters who enjoy his very real and raw delivery of life's wisdom. Celebrities from all industries have reposted and shared Tony's content. NBA all-stars like Dwayne Wade and Damian Lillard have flown Tony in to speak at camps and community events, and countless others call Tony their life coach. Tony served as a team life coach for college teams and an NBA team for several seasons before resigning to be home more with his family and to work non-exclusively. Tony defines himself as a modern-day servant leader who teaches as he learns, but most importantly, lives what he teaches. Welcome, Tony. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. This is huge. First of all, you're our first male guest. Ever. Really? Ever. Yes. Wow. That's a big deal for GGP community. Yes, because it's obviously Girls Gone Boss is all about celebrating women in different fields and industries, power girls. But we feel that all the power girls really, really like you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we don't feel. We know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> That's an honor. Yeah, you're like kind of like that best friend, that guy best friend we can call on to get that real deal. Right. Because at least when I call my girls, they're like trying to sugarcoat things because they <laughs> feel bad for me. Right. But then I have that one guy that is always going to tell it like it is. And you're that guy. That's so true. And you're absolutely right. Because... We as women, we always look for validation. We're always looking for advice from our girlfriends, our mothers, everybody around us, our coworkers. But we're not really all of that information we're receiving. It's not always correct. It might work for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you. Right, right. And that's a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand. And you're like ripping off that Band-Aid and just telling it how it is. But not only ripping it off. Like he's like... Psh. 
And like he's throwing some like alcohol on it. And we're like, damn, I've been doing it all wrong, Tony, by the way. Wow, really? Well, let's talk about your book. You kicked off the year amazing. You have this book, Make It Work, 22 time-tested real-life lessons for sustaining a healthy, happy relationship. Yes. What inspired the book? Well, I kept seeing so many breakups in, you know, celebrities. Every time I would wake up, I would see a new celebrity couple like and it was iconic couples going through cheating scandals or divorce and I'm going on 12 years of marriage and in this day and age with social media it's hard to have a healthy happy marriage and so for me to feel 100% happy in my marriage I said something has to be going right and if not everybody feels this way there must be something that I could share that could help others. And so that's why I decided to write the book. And to my surprise, a lot of people have been writing in just saying like, look, this book is changing my life. I've, I'm in tears. I've read it three times and it just came out. And so I realized it was kind of divinely inspired. Yes, I love that in it you say that there needs to be like a revolution of love. Where do you see that that love is right now in our culture? Like it's totally skewed and messed up. Right. It's it's almost like love is being watered down and becoming like lust want in the microwave. You know, it's like instant gratification. We want this overnight thing to where it's like that club fling. And you expect the club fling to be sustained based on sex alone. And that turns into a relationship. But a lot of times couples don't really know each other and don't really like each other. And the entire thing is like a power struggle. You know, who's going to serve who? Who's going to have the upper hand? Who's going to be able to control the other person? And it's not real love. It's not selfless love. Well, I've heard my entire life that your spouse should not be your best friend. But I think that I, I, that's been a myth all this time. And I think that you have the you hit the nail on the coffin. Like you need to really have a good foundation. There has to be trust, honesty, commitment. And that's a best friend. Right, right. And And question for you, like, do you recall where you first heard that? I don't recall because I've heard it my entire life. Right. So right. I don't recall it. Right. Which is really f interesting because my parents are best friends with each other. Mm. They work together and they have a really strong, solid foundation because they're so open about communication, honesty, and trust. My whole life I grew up with, I was never allowed to tell my mom like, mom, this happened, but don't tell dad. That, that does not fly in my house. <laughs> it was both my parents because they were a unit. Right. And when you think about it, it's like that what you heard, what you learned, you don't remember where it comes from, but you know it like your shoe size. Like it just rolled right off your tongue and it's in your mind. And so you will subconsciously be in your relationship saying, look, I can't talk to him about um, getting my eyebrows microbladed or my nail that just broke because that's something for a best friend. I can't talk to him about the the new, you know, face wash or Giorgio Armani foundation that I want to get that's $80 because I need to share that with my best friend. And so you will hold back stuff you want to talk about 
waiting to talk to your girlfriend instead of talking to your husband when he would love to learn more about that, you know, and hear more about it. Really? But because, yeah, really? Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, so I, I was just, I sent my wife a picture um, before I came up here and I was, you know, washing my face and brushing my teeth. And she has me like this awesome toothbrush. It's like the electric thing. And, and I have some Chanel face wash. And I have some really cool moisturizer. Maybe it's from Clarence or something. Yes, guys. He got good skin. And then she has like, <laughs> I have like some rose petal, like a rose petal uh, facial. It's a serum, right? It's, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like um, from Peter somebody. Um, Peter Roth. Peter Roth. <laughs> oh, girl. And it, it's pink. And, and so I sent her the picture. I was like, I highly doubt a lot of men travel like this. And she was like, you know, I'm going to have you on point. And yes, it's because like I'm her best friend. So I know as like a beauty blogger almost, you know, and I could talk to other guys and they're like, man, what do you know about this stuff? Where does it come from? But my wife talks to me about everything. Because you listen to your wife. Right. And and I talk to her about everything. And so that needs to be your relationship. If this is the person you're lying down with, you're giving your soul to them. You know, not just your life. You're giving your soul to them. If that's not your best friend, that's a huge issue. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay. We already know love is a little skewed. There's lust that gets in the way. But how do you define, or us women, how do we start building a foundation of love that's real so that we can attract real love or sustain real love? Because there's some women that are listening that are married in relationships. And then there's us single women who want to attract the right man. but on a strong foundation, which you mentioned in the book as well. The, the foundation is super important. So obviously, that's part of the 22 um, points in your book. But how can we at least start with one or two? Well, in in the beginning of the book, I talk about, um, there's a chapter that says, you don't know love. And in that chapter, I'm talking about addressing everything that you've learned about love. Just like we heard, you know, your spouse shouldn't be your best friend. That's one thing that you've learned about love. And so when you look back over your life and you address everything that you've learned and now you confront it and say, is this correct? You know, is this right? And you kind of unlearn and then you relearn and then you set standards for your life. And I think the thing is, is a lot of women kind of feel like a floor mat. Like a lot of women feel like like they won't put the title on themselves that they're a floor mat. But when you look at their life and what they're dealing with, it's like a floor mat. It's like a handmaid, you know. So a woman may be a wife, but really feel like a chef and a maid and a nanny instead of feeling like a queen who is engaged in her palace and she's the. CEO of the palace. She feels like a concubine who is a handmaid and a nanny. And so when we really identify what we've learned about love and relationships, and then we look at what does my heart want? So if your heart wants to be best friends with your husband and to be able to you know, go to the gym and then get in the spa and the sauna and then go shopping 
and come home and if you want to cook dinner or if you want to order out and do homework with the kids, put them down and then have Netflix and chill without arguing. If that's your ideal day, that can be your day. And that's my wife's day. And when I look at it and I look at the lives of a lot of my female clients, it looks like my wife is living a fairy tale. I was just going to tell you that. Does that exist? You see? And so, like, when I look at it, it's like she met me with, I didn't, I only had lint in my pocket. I had nothing in my name except for a driver's license. But she had this set of standards that required that I become a real man. And in becoming a real man, I had to find myself, find my purpose, find my hustle. So when I look at her day, she wakes up, she goes to Lifetime Fitness, and she does a workout with her trainer. Then she goes and gets in the the sauna and the steam room. And then she goes to the mall. She may pick up a couple things for herself or me or the boys. And then she goes and she picks up the boys from school, takes them home, does some homework, And I take my son to practice. She's cooking dinner. I come home. She, We eat dinner. She puts them down. And then it's her and I. I sit there 30 minutes while she's getting them ready. And I do the Instagram Q&A. Which we love. And then I'm done. And then we have our Netflix and chill from about 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Or sometimes we stay up to 12. And so when I'm talking to my clients and we're talking about a day that is, you know, not any relationship stress arguing, fussing, fighting, and feeling like, you know, you're just drained. A lot of women can identify with it. And I said, the only thing my wife did different is set standards and just refuse to compromise them. Like she didn't say, she she said, you're not going to cheat on me. You're not going to yell at me. You're not going to mistreat me. And that produced a happy, healthy relationship. Right, because it didn't start like that. It did. It did. You have to know Me, I was trying to impose my will. You know, I was trying to be a no good man. You know, I wanted to to cut corners and, you know, manipulate, deceive, create some space to where if I wanted to cheat, I could. But, you know, I wanted to be able to control or, you know, a lot of times as a man, we may kind of have mind control over a woman to where this woman feels insecure and she's working for our approval. You know, so as a grown boy, I wanted those things. And my wife said, no, you know, that's not going to be the case. And, and that's what started to change it. So do men test us in a way when they try to do things and see if we like allow it? I would say 90 percent of men, maybe 99 percent of men test a woman. And, and it's just the nature of a man. Men test their guy friends, you know, to to have complete control in their circle. Men test their boss if they're not the boss, you know, to see if they can call off work and not get in trouble. Uh, men just, we our nature is to conquer. And feel superior. Right. right. And so it is, you know, that is why the world ha- and the world reinforces it. You know, you, you've seen so many, men have always been the king. the top of everything. Right. right. Of the food The chain. CEO. <laughs> We haven't had a female president yet. You know, as far as we've come, we've had females run for president, but we haven't seen it happen yet. And I'm hoping maybe on the next presidency, we have a female. And regardless of what side she's on, it just will be a huge step for mankind to see a woman at the top, 
to say, look, this is a mind that you have to respect. This is a fearfully and wonderfully created being that can move the world forward if we take our foot off of her neck and stop trying to keep her down and keep her under us. And so I think that that's what has to happen. But a lot of men, we've just been, you know, trained that a man is the head, the woman is the tail. You don't just want what's between her legs. You want what's between her ears, her mind. And so a lot of guys have mind control over their woman. Okay. How do you break out of that mind control? You know, it is, it's almost like, well, not almost, it's like breaking an addiction, you know? So when you think about someone who's addicted, what steps do they take? First, they they go to rehab and that may be, you know, a month, it may be a couple weeks. Then they go to meetings weekly. And in those meetings, there may be 12 steps. And throughout those 12 steps, they have an accountability partner. And then even after those 12 steps, they have accountability partner. So a woman trying to kind of unlearn and relearn, she needs to have a life coach or a counselor or a therapist. And and there's a difference. You know, a life coach is like a self-taught motivational friend, someone who's lived it and it, it's life wisdom. A therapist or a counselor could literally just be school taught with no life experience. They could have grown up perfect or they could have holes in their socks, meaning you can't see their problems. And they could also still be speaking to you from where they are versus, you know, what they need to be telling you. And so you have to be careful. And I recommend trying one or two or three different professionals, you know, doing one session with two or three different people and then choosing who you want to move forward with. And then you have to have an accountability partner, a friend who says, look, I'm on the same thing you are. I want better. I want to grow. I want to be happy and healthy. I'm not going to tell you to settle. I'm not going to tell you to have sex with the guy you met in the club, because if you don't sleep with him, someone else will. I'm not going to tell you to put up with your no good husband just because y'all have kids together and he's the breadwinner and trying to leave, you'll lose all your money. You know, this friend says, look, I want you to be happy and healthy and whatever that takes, we're going to get there. And, and that's what you need. And so it's a process. In your book, you mention the difference between a therapist and a, and a life coach. And then also like not just... sorry, dumping all of your problems on your friends or your parents, which we tend to go to for advice, like I mentioned before. So why is it so important to have somebody that that is outside of that circle that you actually pay to listen to all these problems and give you proper advice? Can you tell listeners why that is so important and why they should not be just going to their girlfriends or their parents and airing all their dirty laundry? Right. It's so important because for one, When you go to your friends and your parents, you're getting biased information. You can be completely wrong and they're going to see it from your vantage point and reinforce your behavior. The other thing is, is because you're not losing anything, because you're not paying them, you are not sacrificing anything. So instead, it feels like you've done the work just because you told them, because you dump your problems on them and you consider that the solution. And then you go right back to your mess or they give you biased advice and you take that biased advice and then it starts to ruin your relationship or make it even worse. 
And then if you don't leave the relationship, if it's toxic, now when your friends and family come around, there's a lot of bad energy in the air. Thanksgiving dinner is just ruined because you've been dumping all the bad onto your friends and family. Whereas when you go to a professional, now you're making an investment. You're sowing a seed. So you're going to reap a harvest. This person is unbiased. So they're not on your side. They're going to call it straight down the middle. And now your family functions don't have to be ruined because your life coach won't be there. And so it's so many different aspects to it. And then lastly, what I would say is when you go to a professional, you're dealing with someone who knows specifically what they're talking about. And so unless your friend or your family is either trained or highly experienced in that space, it's just like talking to a wall. You know, you're not getting I can guarantee you if you have a coaching session with me. You will never, there will be at least one or two things said that you've never heard before from a friend or a family member. And that's because I am in the trenches, in the belly of the beast, in love and relationships every single day, all day long. So I'm going to hear more and learn more about this space than anyone in the world. And so you have to understand that when you go to a professional, you know, it's, it's like you want Michael Jordan to teach you basketball, you know, not your local gym teacher. So your friend about your problems will be your local gym teacher. You know, your life coach or your family therapist will be your Michael Jordan. And so you kind of have to, you know, be willing to step outside. Yeah, I'm so pro therapy. I mean, I did some therapy with you like five years ago and Tony remembered because he has like a trillion clients, but you're very good at remembering. I'm so happy. Yeah, I, I really do think it's super important and vital because just like we go to the gym to get stronger and, you know, we try to educate ourselves if we want to get better professionally, we have to get our mind right as well. I think we really open openly talk about that here on the podcast. It's I'm pro therapy. I'm actually going to therapy now um and we'd love to see if maybe we can like regroup again tony (laughs) (laughs) i would love that because i think we talked twice and uh it was important because i remember you telling me how important social media and the way you represent yourself on it as a single woman is very vital to the type of men you attract and i remember going through my profile and you telling me like, hey, girl, like, I think you have. Well, you didn't say it like that, but I think you have um, <laughs> a couple of pictures with too many drinks on them. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. So it's so true. Like sometimes life coaching really opens up another can of worms that maybe you didn't know you were putting against yourself. Right, right. So now I got to look back at my profile again and be like, damn, like, <laughs> do I still got drinks in there? <laughs> but how important is social media to represent yourself as a single woman, I mean, we've talked about like as a professional, but now when we're talking about the topic of love, what are some tips like maybe you can share that you kind of went over with me four years ago? Right. Well, see, social media today is is almost like your business card. You know, it's like that is how the world views you and their perception of you is their reality of you. And so what you show will determine what you attract. And so you have to be mindful of that. And a lot of times we may like we may post pictures 
with alcohol, just showing that, hey, I'm living life. I'm having a good time. But a person on the outside looking in may say, wow, this person has a drinking problem. But you literally may have one drink every Friday night. Right. But, but if you don't post posting, a lot, right, right. it looks you like right, you're always drinking. If you don't post a lot now, when they're scrolling, they see drink, 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 drink. It's like, whoa. So the mind says, okay, she's showing me one drink, but did she have five? And so that's why it's so important what we show and how we portray ourselves and that it's a true representation of who we are. True representation. Well, guys, I mean, I work in the entertainment industry. We have a lot of parties. <laughs> but anyway, um, but staying on the social media topic, I feel like social media has ruined relationships and love and just the way people view things and just even how we communicate with the person that we are sharing uh, maybe a relationship with, it's like, oh, my God, he didn't like my picture today or he didn't leave a comment. Oh, my God, he left a comment on this other girl. And then we go into like another. It's just starts to play a lot of mind games. And even when you're dating someone and they're not maybe reciprocating enough on social media, you start to equate it into something that it may not even be. So how crazy are we because of this social media thing? Right. We're, we're being programmed and we think it matters. You know, my, my wife and I, we really don't even interact on social media. I mean, she may like my pictures. I may like hers, but we don't take it into account. You know, I don't, if I look at one of my posts and I don't see her name, it doesn't even register that she didn't like it. And it never comes up in our conversation because social media should not matter in the grand scheme of things. But we can make it matter, especially if things get out of out of bounds and you're being disrespectful. It probably would come up if I was liking pictures of other women, you know, or if she was liking pictures of other men. And these pictures are kind of racy or it's like a person promoting themselves. It probably would come up. And so I think what social media does is it exposes weak relationships it also exposes our insecurity and it kind of, you know, it, it confuses us because there may be a lot of women looking at my Q&As and then taking that back to their man and causing an argument in their home over a Q&A question and answer that they may be misinterpreting. And then they may look at me like, oh, here's this perfect guy but not realize everything that I had to go through and grow through and realize that their guy is nowhere near as bad as I was. And then they may also look at me and compare their man to me, but not realize that I'm under my calling. Like I'm going to be one in a million because I'm called to be a relationship coach speaking to millions of people. So my level of love and intensity in my relationship is going to be way higher than the average man because I have to deal with the subject of love all day, every day. So a woman cannot look at the way I treat my wife and expect that same level from her husband because he's not entrenched with love all day, every day. He's dealing with business and finances and, you know, other stuff. And then has to find time for love. Whereas for me, 24-7, it's love. Okay. And for as far as men and continuing with social media, you mentioned a lot on Q&As 
Or a lot of people ask you, hey, what if he hasn't posted about the relationship or my husband doesn't post pictures about us? It seems like he's single. Is that a telltale sign of something or do men just take their time exposing like when they're in relationship? Or is that just so private that they don't like to share it like that easily? Men will tell you that it's private, but we share anything we're proud of. And so... Take note, it's ladies. Not yeah, really, true. yeah, it's not really private. But um, it's just that a man does not want to commit to showing the world his woman if he's not 100% sure that's where he's going to be at. And so... When you're online, it brings so many options. And I remember when I got on Twitter in like 2009, it it was a couple years before I posted about my wife because it was just this, you know, buffet of women. It was so many women. And I was leaving room to meet someone and start something and possibly be able to fall for someone else and leave my wife. And so I did not say that out loud. But when I analyzed my heart, that's what it was. But then when I made a decision, hey, I'm in this thing all the way 100% until death does us part. This is a lifetime commitment. Then I was able to start posting my wife. And so when a man doesn't post his woman, that is a huge sign. It's not something that you should even bring up or talk about. But it's something that you should be aware of. But it's a red flag. It is a red flag. Even like a married man? Like what if they're just Even a married man. Even a married... I was married. You know, I yeah, was married. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I just wasn't on like the super level of, you know, celebrity relationship coach. But I was like a motivator online, you know, and I would talk on love and I would talk on life and business too. But I was an influencer and, or becoming one. And I still was leaving room. And you see it today. Like, you know, you see what I do, right? You can go to other influencers' pages, like other life coaches and relationship coaches, guys that you, you know, talk that talk like I talk. And you look down their timeline, you may be, it, it may be very hard to see who they're dating. You may not see a woman. You know, you may have to scroll back a year, two years to see a woman. And even those men are leaving room to cheat on their woman because men always want the latest, greatest. You know, a woman, she's okay having something old. That's why vintage stores exist (laughs) because women are okay with vintage, you know. Men always want the latest, greatest, the latest, greatest car, the latest, greatest watch. You know, the latest, greatest. Whereas a woman, if you get something that you fall in love with, you fall. My yes. my wife has a teddy bear. We're loyal. From the age of four, you know, and she's in her 30s and still has this teddy bear. You know, I c- can't find anything I've had since 20 years old. So we're loyal by nature. So I think it's important to reiterate the fact that leading with love we have to kind of let the guy lead that because we as women can easily love. We're like super loyal by nature, but a guy, it takes time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so therefore we can't show our cards too soon. We have to let him lead in that. Right. Right. You, you have to, because if a woman leads in love, 
a man may get complacent. And so it's important that the person who love is hardest for, it's important that that person is leading in love. Because now you know if the person with the hardest heart has softened and started to lead in love, now you as a woman who was created for love can reciprocate that love and you're in a safe zone. But if you give, 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 and he's not reciprocating or he's not dropping his guard and allowing himself to fall in love, now you're in a very dangerous space because now you are head over heels in love with a man that you don't even know if he's in love with you. And he may be blocking that part of himself. And that's why I always say, allow the man to pursue you, allow the man to court you, because love is harder. I mean, if, we, if we're just honest about it, a lot of times we want to argue, but if we're honest about it, love is harder for a man. We're just wired differently. We're created differently because, you know, the creator knew we would be majority of the warriors. So if you're creating this being that has to go out and hunt and kill animals to bring back, to feed the family, if you're creating this being that you know will have to fight for the honor of their country or their territory so that their people aren't just destroyed, then you're creating a being that is okay with murder, that is okay with blood, that is okay with war, that is okay with killing. And so that mind is going to be totally different than a mind that's created to carry a living being inside of her for nine months, to go through a process that they say is equivalent of 20 bones being broken at once. That's what giving birth is. They say that pain is equivalent to that. So a mind that can handle that and then give birth to this living being and have to feed it every two hours. So imagine your sleep being interrupted every two hours. And this is what women go through. And then you're expected to not lose your mind. And now you go through three months or six months of postpartum depression where your body is different. Your man is treating you different. A lot of men leave during pregnancy. A lot of men cheat during pregnancy. And a woman has to keep it all together. That mind is created for nurturing and for love. So one mind is like a warrior and one mind is like a lover. And so it's two total different minds that are supposed to come together and be one. And it's like, you know, the yin and yang. So it sounds like we really need to know what our role is in it. Because if we understand, okay, he's the warrior, like we understand what he has to go through. She's the nurturer. Okay, she's going to probably have a lot of bad days. I need to be there for her a little bit more this week. Then we really need to be not so self-absorbed. And know like where this person is coming from, like the journey or the role that they're in. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? You have to be selfless. And when you take and you put the shoe on the other foot and you walk a mile in your spouse's shoes, then it helps you understand. So I have to understand like, okay, I'm keeping my wife up till midnight, one o'clock, you know, talking about my day and all the business. And then she has to wake up at 5 a.m. So she's sleeping four hours. So if she's too tired the next day to make love, 
I have to understand that she's ripping and running all day behind the kids. She's doing everything for them. I don't have to lift a finger for them. I just get the good side of them, the hugs and the laughs and, you know, maybe playing catch a little bit. But she's having to, you know, make the lunches and pick up and clean up after them. You know, she jumps on top of that, you know, and doesn't ask me to do it. So if she's tired and, you know, her she's falling asleep before her head hits the pillow, I have to understand that. And then if she looks at me and says, well, you know, he has the responsibility right now to provide for the family and he has to make, you know, X amount of dollars. Our kids tuition is two thousand dollars a month. So anyone with a bill that's two thousand dollars a month for their child's education. And this is the education that I want my kid to have because he's okay with public school. But I want them to have a private school education. That's two thousand dollars a month. So I need to be okay with you know, the time and the energy that it takes for him to earn that. And that's just one of 30 or 50 bills. And so when she understands that and I understand her, we're able to meet in the middle and say, look, we both got a lot going on and we both have to be selfless instead of being selfish. And and in some couples that those roles may be reversed. The woman may be the breadwinner and the man may be the, the stay at home dad or, or the one who has to be everything for the kids. And even in that case, you have to still look at your spouse and what they have to deal with. Everyone is capable of change, correct? Do you agree with that? I do believe. It. OK, so every man can change. Mm-hmm. It's every- just whether they're willing to or not. Right. How do you push them to change? How do you how do you start getting in there and start like, you know, dropping little hints and and kind of like what your wife did, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. she she's really the one that set you on your journey mm-hmm. and she opened mm-hmm. your eyes. Right. How can women do the same if they feel like they're stuck in their relationship? And that's the key. You can never feel stuck. And so my wife, she showed me that she would never be stuck when we got married. And she was like a junior in college. And I was like a fifth year college student. And she comes from Jamaica. Her mother and father came to America to give her a better life. And so they were very upset when she got pregnant and got married and hadn't even graduated. And so she was like isolated. Her friends fell back because her friends were in school to become doctors. And so she was on this path to be a doctor. She was a biomedical science major and her goal was to be a doctor. And I derailed that path. So it was almost like I isolated her. And in her isolation, we had our son two and a half months early. And so she had to quit working so that she could go to the hospital every day just to monitor him and just to be there if he, you know, stopped breathing. And so she had no income and she really had no friends and family because she had got off the path. And so now being off the path and we were only married two months and she told me, look, you can't hang with your friends and live this illegal lifestyle in the streets like you did in the past because you're a husband and a father. And I thought there's no possible way this woman will leave me with no friends, no family support, no income, and a child in the intensive care unit. So I thought that. And when she, when I went back to the streets and she walked out, 
I was like, whoa. She left. You right. She left me. And so that showed me that I have a woman that will never be stuck. Right. And so that's what women have to realize. A man does not change until he realizes that you will walk away. But as long as you're going to stay there and fuss and fight and cry and make him sleep on the couch. It's a cycle. It's just going to be a cycle. He's going to do just enough to get back in and then go right back to who he was. But when he sees that you're willing to pack your things and leave, that's when he knows if I want to keep this woman, I have to grow. How long do you have to give someone to really know whether they changed or not, though? It's a daily process. So when my wife left, she was gone for three days. When she came back, it was like she was watching me daily. And you will know within three to six months if if they've changed. And their actions and their behaviors will be different. So I started going to church. I started reading my Bible. You know, I, I became a totally different person. And so she could see. And then she reinforced that. She didn't ignore it. She wasn't, you know, standoffish. She came back full steam ahead. She was all love. So as I was doing right, she was loving me more. Right. And so she reinforced that behavior and that showed me, okay, this is what I need to keep doing. If I was doing those things and she didn't change and she was just like ignoring it, then I probably would have reverted back to my old behavior. Right. So she reinforced the positive and then she stopped the negative. Which goes back to the standard, right? Mm -hmm. Setting the standard for ourselves. Right. Another lesson that I saw in the book, which I feel like I struggle with, is having um, the choice to pick a battle. I love that you call it a uh, petty Betty. Stop being petty Betty. I feel like I'm petty sometimes. Um, and that goes back to maybe like, you know, insecurities or, you know, sometimes we create drama because we think that's the way like to show love or to get love or attention seeking of some sort. So, but I love the fact that you say we're all trying to build long relation, long-term relationships. We're not here to just have microwave relationships, right? So in the long term, we're going to be experiencing really tough things that that's when you really need to be like, okay, this is a battle we have to fight together. So in the meantime, when you're on the journey, why pick the little battles that really don't matter, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why do we do that? And how do we kind of create awareness to stop doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you said it like it's, it stems from insecurity. It stems from that past pain that you haven't really fixed, that you haven't addressed and healed. And so and then it also just past lessons that you've learned. So if you were in a relationship to where when you became petty, the person started giving you more attention and they sat down, listen, you know, this is how I feel like this is what I'm doing. And why are you acting like this? So you get attention and now you get attention and you get emotions from him. So whereas when you're not being petty, you don't really feel any real deep communication, any real energy. And so you say, I have to start a fight or I got to, you know, be petty about something for him to become intense. And so you are reinforcing the wrong things and it's stemming from your insecurity. And once you realize that and then now you stop being petty and you are loving and you are sidestepping power struggles, you're not turning molehills into mountains 
And then when he gives you good energy in a, in a good time, you reinforce that. Like you jump up on him, you hug his neck, you kiss all over him. When everything's going good, now you reinforce that. He takes a, he takes note like, okay, I was being really sweet. I was being really nice, you know, and then she like went crazy. Like she ripped my clothes off. So now you just send a message to him like, keep doing this. Any behavior that is recognized and rewarded, it repeats itself. So when I listen to my wife talk about beauty bloggers all day and all her mom drama at the school, (laughs) that's when she wants to rip my clothes off. If all I want to do is talk about my business all day long and, and not listen, and then when she's talking, I'm texting on the phone or something, that's when it's really tough for me to get some loving. So I take note do this and be this, and this is what she's going to do in return. And so as a woman, you have to start, you know, exhibiting the positive behaviors and being pleasant when he's pleasant. And when he's pleasant, you reinforce that. And then it just continues to grow. Man, you are right. Like, this is like really about making it work. This is a lot of work, Tony. (laughs) You know, it it, it becomes like riding a bike. And it all boils down to being selfless. So if you just say, let me be selfless, like, let me not think about what I want and what I'm getting in return. And let me create this safe zone and and let's come together and let's both agree to be selfless. So it's like, I'm on the road. When I finish speaking today, I'm going to go to the outlet or whatever this is up here, the Galleria and buy my wife for, for nothing gift. So when I get home tomorrow, I was thinking about her. So when she sees she was on my mind and I exhibit this love language, which is a gift, now she's going to look for how she can reciprocate. And so it's all about just being selfless. And if both people are selfless, all of this is taken care of. You don't even have to think about it. And it's about the team, making the team win all the time. Right. Being teammates. Exactly. And working with your spouse and making sure that, you know, you're not being selfless and they're being a ball hog. Right. Okay. One thing that we wanted to get clear before we get into the fun Q&A that we want to do with you on the podcast, because obviously your Q&As are epic. I think I've put all of my girlfriends onto your Q&As, <laughs> Alex included. Yeah, so good. Um. You know, a lot of the women that are listening right now are super powerful, professionals, like boss girls, you know, including ourselves. Do you think that men are really intimidated by that? Or is that just like an excuse and BS? Right. Uh, No, men are not intimidated by it. It's actually very attractive. Um, I just think that sometimes it doesn't work out because sometimes a woman, when she becomes successful, it's like against all odds. You know, it's like... you. It wasn't long ago that you couldn't vote, you know. It wasn't, you still don't get equal pay in the workplace. So when you beat the odds and you become this boss woman, you you pat yourself on the back. You wear it on your forehead, you know, you, you write it on your face. And so when it becomes your identity and you don't treat it like, hey, this is just another day in the park. Like, I, I do this. This is who I am. It doesn't define me. But I I accomplish these things. I don't have to wear it on my sleeve. I don't have to turn my nose up. I don't have to talk about all my degrees and all the money or the accolades or the titles. 
Um, this is just me and this is what I do. And so what happens, it's not that a man is intimidated. It's more so in a lot of cases he's turned off because a lot of women don't know how to turn that off. It becomes their identity and who they are. Hey, I am two bachelor's degrees and one master's degree instead of I am Lindsay. You know, hey, I am VP of such and such development instead of I'm Ashley. And so because of that, you know, it creates an insecurity, you know. So like with me coming from the streets and coming from uh, no bachelor's degree, anytime I get a, you know, a platform, I feel like I have to prove myself and say, you know, everything that I've done, you know, and all the things I've achieved instead of just operating from my gift and letting my gift speak for itself. And so I think that's what we have to be. We have to be more authentic, you know, and just stop thinking about you stop looking our, at ourselves from the outside in and just operate from within, from the heart. And then now a person like my wife, she was a biomedical science major, which that was like super huge in college. Like you got a lot of respect for anybody that's, you know, a science major, biomedical science, because, hey, you could have chose communications, you know, and it would have been a lot easier than doing all organic chemistry. And so Although she was a biomedical science major, I couldn't tell the difference between her and a criminal justice major, her and a, you know, psychology major. And their work is not hard as organic chemistry, but she was just so humble with it. She wasn't like arrogant and looking down like, hey, I'm going to be making $400,000 a year one day. Not like these other chicks who's in such and such majors are going to be making 45000 It was just a humility. Whereas if she wore that on her sleeve, like, hey, I earned $400,000 a year then I would have been turned off like, ew, I can't deal with you, you know? Right. And so I think that's what it is most of the time. And, you know, it's, it's a hard truth to hear. Again, I think it also stems from insecurity. It's, it's exactly where it comes from it, with, with anyone because a lot of men are the same way. You know, if he gets a promotion or he makes X amount of dollars, you got to hear about it in the first two, three minutes, you know? So we, we, we all suffer from that. And so that, that can turn a woman off from a guy who... He is his title. You know, he is his income. With men especially, our net worth determines our self-worth. And so that can be a turnoff too. That's another question um, that I'm going to slip in. Does a man, okay, let's say a man's not where he wants to be on a business level, professional level. Do you think that's the reason why maybe he's not ready for a relationship? Or like you say, it doesn't matter. Time transcends love. You always say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a reason if he makes it a reason. And some men just depending on their priorities. It wasn't a reason for me because love was my top priority. Marriage was the number one thing I wanted to achieve before financial success. A lot of men is the opposite. They want financial success before marital or love success. And so it depends on how he was raised and what his priorities are. Me, I felt like I could not be productive in the world if I didn't take care of love first. I felt like love was the most important thing in the world, and then everything else would flow from that. So if I found love and it was healthy, then there would be no amount of money that I can't make because I have the most important thing already. Yeah, because you say like marriage brings a, a certain confidence to a woman. It empowers. It, it makes you better. 
Um, and those are the messages that I think like culture should be giving us rather than like, oh, there's 50 percent chance of you getting divorced. Why are you going to get married? It's just a piece of paper. Right, right. And, you know, we have to do it ourselves. So as people like like y'all, I don't often share podcasts, you know, that I do because I do so many of them. So it would be my entire timeline. But I'm going to share this one. You oh, know, my because, God, Tony, you know, you're the best. We're touching Thank on some you. powerful, some powerful things. And we have we have to do it ourselves because the media you know um i just did a audition tape for mtv uh yesterday for a show you know yes. and but it's not really it's about me being a host you know auditioning to be a host not me having my own show spreading my message because a message of what we're talking about it would be too disruptive um to right. to the ecosystem because if you are insecure and you are broken and battered and lonely or struggling in your relationship, you're going to consume more television. You're going to spend more money. So when you're in this state of dysfunction, you're more, it's easier to control you. So every commercial you're consuming, you know, all the TV shows, all the social media, we just are consumers, consumers. But when you are happy and healthy and whole, now you can budget. Now you can save. Now the stores take a hit because you're not spending from your depression. You don't have retail therapy. You have an actual therapist. And so now the economy would start to, you know, drop a little because people are keeping more of their money. Um, Their TV shows, budgets wouldn't be as big because people are spending time looking in the eyes of their loved ones instead of the television screen. And so this message is disruptive to the system. And uh, and they may not want it to go like on a mass level. Exactly. Right. Because it's like, man, these people are going to be too controlled. Right. They're going to be too responsible. And we won't be able to manipulate them with our commercials and with our consumerism, you know. Well, we're so happy that you're leading with love and that you're allowing us to send this message out to a lot of people that need it because we want to be healthy, strong women, not only on a professional level, but we want to be well-rounded women that when we do marry or when we are in marriages, we're able to sustain healthy ones. Right. And y'all y'all are going to get shortlisted for what y'all are doing. And when I say shortlisted, you're going to get put on the shortlist by the government. They're going to start auditing your taxes. They're going to they're going to start. <laughs> oh, we got to do our taxes soon. Oh my god. No, 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 no next, next year, year, next year. Okay. Y- y'all are going to get <laughs> Y'all are going to get uh, shortlisted because uh, you, you're leading the movement. So they're going to have you on the list of, you know, y'all are activists now. We are. But we also have to live it, which is also like yeah. a responsibility that's very we're very accountable with. So I love that you live it, too. Right. Like, you're not only just preaching, but you have like an amazing, thriving relationship. Of course, nothing's perfect, but you're honest about it. And that's how we want to be. Like, I struggle with a lot of things, but I, I say, hey, let, I need therapy. Let's go. Because I can't do this by myself. Right, right. My relationship is perfect because we define perfection. Oh, yes. To me, it's 100% perfect. To me, it, it can't get any better because we define perfection. We're, we're not arguing. We're not cheating. You know, it's not fussing and fighting. We have disagreements, but a disagreement doesn't have to become an argument. Right. right. And I heard you say that actually on the Breakfast Club um, clip that I saw that you don't argue. We disagree. You disagree. We have disagreements. There's a huge difference. The, right. It's a big difference. So we disagree every week. 
We can disagree every day. But when you learn how to communicate and you have love and respect for yourself and your spouse, now you don't have to scream and yell and storm off and go to bed mad. I express myself. She expresses herself. I respect her views. She respect my views. And then we both get up from the conversation and do what we have to do to please the other person. And now you have healthy communication and you had a disagreement, but not an argument. Love it. Oh, my God. We're about to like kill it in relationships. (laughs) But let's get into the GGB Q&A with Tony. (laughs) Okay. So so a lot of people wanted to get in on this. So let's just kind of do like how you do it on online, like rapid fire kind of style. Um, All right. Let's start with, okay, when dating, not exclusively, should you be dating multiple people? Um, Only if you're not sleeping with multiple people. So it's one thing to go on a date with two or three people. And to have two or three people texting you, it's another thing if if you believe dating involves sex. So if you believe you want to have sex in dating, then you need to be exclusive with one person. But if you're not having sex, then it's okay to date multiple. What's the next one? Okay. Um, how can you revive a marriage that has gone stale because of routine, kids, and life? Somebody has to lead the movement and you have to start all over. You have to do the things you did to fall in love. So when you think about it, when you were trying to get the man to fall in love, you went to bed in lingerie every night. You know, some nights you didn't even take off your makeup. And so, and then when the man, when he was trying to get you to fall in love, he left sticky notes around the house. He came home with a rose. So you have to always be starting over and doing the things you did to fall in love. Okay. I struggle with being independent, but still wanting a man to provide and court me. How do I find the balance? Well, as long as you're struggling with independence, then you haven't really released and became ready for love. Because in order for a man to be able to provide, then that means you have to be willing to be interdependent. And so what this looks like is being independent is if we go on a date and the bill comes, you say, hey, here's my card for my half. And then being interdependent is when I say, no, thank you. I got it. Then you say, oh, really? Wow. Thank you. Now you're independent, but ready to be interdependent. What a lot of women do is the man offers to pay. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, here's my card. Waiter, come come here. Oh, look, here's my card. Here's his card. Thank you. Here you go. Bye. Absolutely not. You know, and they stop it. So now you're just stuck in independence. Hmm. Okay. Next, my ex unfollowed me. Does that mean he's over me? It doesn't mean that he's over you. It means that he's trying to get over you and he's trying to send you a message. And the fact that you know that he unfollowed you, which most women do, Um, shows that you're not over him and you're still checking to see what he does and he knows you and he knew you would do that. So it's kind of like a mind game more so than getting over you. It's uh, the cat and mouse game. Right. (laughs) Okay. Um, I recently realized my home foundation was not being cared for because of my work. I was putting work before everything else around me. You said in your book, we must learn how to take care of home before anything else because success happens from the inside out. It took me long to in life to realize this. Well, um, just like the good book says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And so we have to think about it like that, like, 
what does it profit you to be successful in business and to make all this money and to have all these friends, but then come home to an empty home or to a broken home or to a place where where you lay your head at, there's no peace. And so you have to take care of the inside first, take care of home first. And if you do that, then you can conquer the world. Um, should women really date older men? I don't recommend it, especially beyond like five years. You know, when you look at like demographics, like in television and stuff, they may say 25 to 34, you know, so it may be about like nine, 10 years. But in dating, you experience life based on your age. So if a woman, which I see women say, hey, I'm 25 and I'm dating a guy that's 45, that's a 20 year difference. So when a woman is in her sexual prime at 45, this guy's 65. He needs, he's popping blue pills like Skittles, you know? Right. <laughs> and now at 45, she wants to travel the world. At 65, he's limping from his, you know, football career or soccer career. And he's limping. He, he wants to sit on the couch and watch television. And so that's why you need to have someone in your age range so you can experience life the same way at the same time. So the maturity thing about dating older men should only probably apply within a smaller frame of older men, not not 20 years, guys. Right. Like like, like a under five, five. Let's uh, do under five. Right. Under five. Number. And the thing about it is if if a man 20 years older than you is single, then he's not mature. And that's just a hard thing that we don't, you know, want to address. There are exceptions to the rule, but if you live to be the exception to the rule, you end up dead a lot sooner. Um, because if you, if a man is in his forties, fifties, sixties, and he's never been married, that's a red flag. Red flag. It's way too many women, right, for him to to not have found someone that he feels is worth settling down with, right, Un unless he's just absolutely perfect. And, and just have never met a perfect woman for him. Right. That's also a red flag, though. It is. <laughs> Why do men act like they're interested and do enough to keep a woman there but don't want a relationship? Well, it's really because those men, those particular men, they kind of want a roster, you know. So a man may want you be for your nationality, you know. A man may want you for your eye color. He may want this woman for the car she drives, may want this woman for the condo she lives in, may want this woman for the size of her butt, this woman for her breast. And so those are grown boys and they're not looking to be with one woman. They want a roster of women because, you know, it's like a taste of the rainbow, you know, and it, it's like having a car, a different car for every day of the week. Okay, the next question is, if a man doesn't commit after how long should you start to reevaluate the relationship? Well, I think if you're dating actively, like you're talking every day, a man should become exclusive with you in 90 days. Like 90 days should be the limit for him to say, look, I want to be your man. I want you to be my girl. And then after you become an exclusive couple, it should take 12 to 18 months for him to propose to you. 12 to 18 months. 12 to 18 months. And then after proposing to you, you should be married inside by the three-year mark. Within the three years. Within the three years, if you're over the age of 25. Okay. A man really doesn't start to get a grasp on life until 25. And so after that, if he wants you and he wants marriage and he feels you are the one, he will marry you within three years. 
And so many relationships are four, five, six, seven years still not married. Right. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a sign of the times, just our our world. We are instant gratification. We are a microwave society. It's just too many options and guys just are afraid to pull the trigger. Three more questions, Tony. How do you make a long distance work? You have to be extremely creative. Like you have to FaceTime every day, talk every day. You got to send handwritten letters. You have to send for nothing gifts and you have to pop up and surprise. You know, if you're able to visit the person, uh, whether it's you going to him, him coming to you, but you have to be completely out of the box. You can't do the norm like you would if you lived together or if you lived in the same city. If you're in the same city, you're, you're not going to write a handwritten letter and put it in the mail. If you're in the same city, you know, you don't have to just pop up. You know, you can you can plan your dates. But with this, you have to be very creative. Men struggle with long distance. So your standards and expectations can't be super duper crazy when you're in a long distance relationship because it's just a man is not created for long distance. Right. And it takes a little bit longer, like the whole six months, three months, it's going to be extended, right? Because it's long distance now, like the timeline. You would think, but it actually should be shortened because when you're long distance, you don't have sex to cloud things. It's just pure communication. So he should know sooner because he's just getting your mind and not your body. He's making love to your mind. So if you're the one, he should know sooner and be able to fall for you sooner. And he should be wanting to make it sooner so that y'all can move together. You move to him or what have you. Okay, the next one is, should I move in with my boyfriend before marriage? The traditional answer would be no. Um, what about and, engaged, once you're engaged? And, you know, that's a little different than too. Most of us do it, but there's benefits to not doing it. Because when you have love, living together doesn't change anything. Like, if a person leaves their underwear on the floor or their plate on the table, if you truly love someone, that's not going to bother you. People say, oh, I got to live with them to see if I can get along with them. If you love them, then it doesn't matter what they do. You know, if they're breaking wind on the couch, if they're burping, if you have real love, nothing that happens in the home matters. And so if you're building real love, then you should wait until you're married to move in together. And the reason why is because when you move in together and you're not married, you you eliminate any hurdles that you have to jump in marriage. So now you get into a place to where Everything is just like marriage. You're living together. You're sleeping together. So it's like, what's the incentive of getting married? And then you're going to have problems before marriage and during marriage. So now if you move in together, these little arguments that come up because you're not fully in love yet is going to trick you and make you think that I shouldn't marry this person when really those are not big deals. And you're just arguing because you're still in the power struggle phase and not surrendering to full love. Wow. Choose your battles. That's deep, yeah. What advice do you give a woman whose partner will not accept seeking self-help because he's scared and doesn't really agree with therapy? Um, He's not scared, and it's not that he doesn't agree with therapy, and every woman has to realize that in that case, you have to leave. If a person won't work for themselves, won't grow 
then you have to show them that if you're unwilling to grow, I'm unwilling to settle. No man is afraid of therapy. No man is afraid of seeking help. You know, that's why he watches YouTube videos. That's why he went to school. That's why he went to college. That's why he went to vocational school to learn a trade. Um, that's why he talks to older men and his father and his grandfather or his boys. It's just men don't like therapy with their woman because it shines a light in the darkness. So everything that he's doing wrong, if a man, if a woman lets her boyfriend or husband listen to this, this the guy is going to hate me if he's not living right. If he's not living right, if he's not being pure, I'm going to be every name in the book. I'm going to be every idiot. I'm going to be, that's just him. That's just his opinion. That's just one man. We're all different when actually we're not. It's only two types of men, a grown boy and a grown man. And so a man does not want his woman to get knowledge because it's like biting the apple from the forbidden Mm -hmm. tree, mm -hmm. the forbidden fruit. Because if you get knowledge of what healthy love looks like and what a real man looks like, now he all of a sudden is very unattractive. And men don't want you to be exposed to this knowledge because now you will find the strength to leave him. But as long as he can keep you in the darkness, he can control you. And that's why men don't agree to do therapy with you. Wow. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> Where can people get your book? Anywhere books are sold, so Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, um, Amazon, uh, iBooks. It's on audio, too, Audible. So wherever you go, if they if that particular store doesn't have it, then another one will in your city or that store can order it and bring it in for you and have it in about two days. We have the audiobooks. It's awesome. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. And we wish you the best of luck. Um, where can people find you if they want to do therapy with you, life coaching? If you go to TonyGaston.com and you click on the contact page, you'll see, you know, coaching or speaking, and you can just write in right through there. Thank wow. you so much for being here today. We really, I think everyone's learned something, even my old married self. I learned a lot today, too. <laughs> so. Yes. I'm hoping to attract a really, a grown man. We're going to get Gabby a grown man, yes. for sure. Hopefully. <laughs> thank you, Tony, so much. Everyone, thank you for listening. And I hope that you are as excited to hear from Tony. I know all of you are fans and we hope that, you know, he really touched upon a lot of important topics. So we hope that you take a lot home and that you practice and do it and make things work and just create really loving, healthy relationships out yes. there. Yes. And you guys can keep up with us on all social media platforms at Girls Gone Boss. And happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Go get you some loving. Yes. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh.